When we experience change in our day-to-day personal lives, we display a sense of resilience. Yet at work, we find staff tend to struggle with change. What contributes to the ways we react to change at home or at work? And importantly, what can we learn with how consumers adapt to change? Welcome to the BGSS Changemakers podcast. We're your changemakers, Tom Silver, and I'm joined by my colleague, Becca Duncan. Hey, Tom. Hi, Becca. How are you doing? Ah, oh, fantastic. I love change. I'm ready for this one. <laughs> we love change. <laughs> so in our podcast, you'll find us commenting on the world of change and discussing how organizations, large and small, embed successful and long-lasting change. So, Becca, what are we talking about today? Today, Tom, we're looking at why our personal life changes are so much easier for us to accept than some of the ones we have at work. And by this, I mean Instagram and Facebook. I constantly get updates from them. I get a window pop up. I hit accept because I just don't have time in my life to be reading through all the terms and conditions. And then I get on with my day and go onto the app and use it like normal. I don't even think about it. Occasionally, I groan a bit because it's a new layout and I discuss it with friends. But I don't think I spend more than 30 seconds of my time really thinking about what eventually might be a big change. But at work, when there's a new system introduced or a new technology, I find that not only myself, but a lot of other staff are very slow to adopt the technology. Yeah, it's what we see when we go into a client's businesses, isn't it? You know, that's that's typically why we're there to help them with that adoption challenge. And I'm, I'm the same. I feel the same. You know, my example is um, if you look at airlines, they're constantly changing how we as consumers are purchasing our seats, the food on the plane. Um, Ryanair recently um, changed their their terms so that you can't bring on hand luggage onto the plane anymore. You need to pay if you want to bring a proper bag onto onto the plane rather than just under the hold like it used to be. Oh, yeah. And for a millennial like me, who's always trying to travel and hop, skip across the world and post all my <laughs> updates about it on Instagram, it is a pain in the... Yes. <laughs> but but we, we get on with it, right? We just we, we pay the extra £8 or £10 or whatever it is. We just get on with it because essentially we want to go on holiday. We want to get on that flight. But at work, when you have changes that are quite similar in nature, you know, physical changes like when you try and hot desk, for example, when you implement a new hot desking policy, people really struggle with those changes. They struggle to unchain themselves from their favourite position. They go and they just sit where they used to sit. They claim that space. They get really disgruntled if someone's sitting in their seat. Whereas once we've paid for the Ryanair flight, we or, or it could be EasyJet, we're, we're not precious, we just get on with our lives. We, we forget about the fact that we had to do something a little bit different. Um, so I guess... What the question is, Becca, that I'd like to pose to you, are we more receptive to change in our personal lives and why? Tom, I think we are more resilient to change in our personal lives. And I'd like to introduce a concept called change resilience. Change resilience is, as it says on the tin, all about how resilient we are to change. And this is really about whether we see change as a positive or a negative And what that comes down to in practical terms is whether we champion changes or we resist them. Okay, so 
instead of asking whether we're more receptive to change in our personal lives, do we think we're more resilient, therefore, in our personal lives? Is that what you're saying? 100%. I think that we, as consumers and as customers of products in our personal lives, take change on the head and we roll with the punches. But at work, we really struggle to make those changes. I don't think we're as change resilient at all during our working lives. So what can we learn from how we adapt to change in our personal lives that can help change efforts at work? One of the ways we could look at this, Tom, is brand loyalty. So people are really invested in the brands and products that they love in their personal lives. An example of this is Apple. People are really invested in Apple products that they know and love. And a few years ago, when Apple first took away the headphone jack, people still continued to buy iPhones, despite the fact that this was a really big change. This is one of the biggest yeah. changes to the body of a phone. Yeah, in, it happened to years. me. It happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> no, but I was resilient to it. I just used the adapter that they gave me. Cause I, I, but some people, I guess, buy, bought the Bluetooth headphones instead. Exactly. So some people, that, and that's a great example, Tom, some people used the tool that they were given and others figured out tools for themselves. But at the end of the day, people were so bought into the brand that they continued to use the product. Yeah. They loved the product. They found a way to deal with the change, even if it wasn't the way that the company had initially offered them. And Simon Sinek talks about this in, in a really great TED talk that I've seen um, online. I, I think it's called... Um, either the, if you go onto Google, you can search for it under Golden Circle, or it's, I think it's actually called How Great Leaders Inspire Change. And he talks about how Apple as a company in, get you invested because they communicate using why, how, what, rather than what, how, why. You should go and, if you're listening, you should go and check it out. It's a great video by Simon Sinek. Um, it, really, really useful for when you're trying to communicate change. So, oh, yeah. so I guess talking about the, Talking about the brand loyalty point, Becca, um, you've got British Airways, where a lot of people are invested in, you know, that that patriotic airline that we all love to to use, and it's got such a great, rich history. Um, but they're actually, uh, t you know, reducing all of the benefits that you get as an economy customer. You have to pay now for your own food. They're they're kind of going down the route that. Um, Ryanair and EasyJet have been doing, for, you know, built their businesses on that we never really expected from British Airways, but they're starting to do it. So what do we think they're for about brand loyalty? So one of the things that both British Airways and Apple have done really well is they've ensured there's a connection between the change happening and how it will benefit the individual. And companies that are able to get this across to their customers keep their customers. If people are bought into why the change is happening, they will go along with you for the ride. And how do companies do that? It's about getting people bought in to the company values, the company's mission statement. If they can see a clear path as to why something is happening because they believe in the future of that company, that going down the road with those values, they'll buy into the change and they'll come along with you for the journey. I, I agree that that's really important and I agree that that's something that we can learn from brand loyalty. With the British Airways example, however, I think something else might be at play. I think something really um, key that we can learn from how we change and adapt in our personal lives as consumers is, is around something called change fatigue. Um, and what I mean by that is, 
at work, for example, where you've been bombarded by change, new technology change, new ways of working, culture change that just hasn't landed very well. You get really fed up with that change. And I think that's because you see it coming from one source. You just see that coming from your employer and they're not involving you and you you really don't like it. So you don't really get on very well with change. Whereas in our personal lives, um, the changes that happen are across a number of different sources. It's the different brands that we interact with. It's the the different aspects of our life, like health and family and relationships. It's not all coming from one source. But therefore, I believe that if you if you see some negative change coming from one particular brand or you're not really bought into that brand, if you're not sold on the British Airways journey, then you have got lots of other options to go and choose a different airline where that might be actually cheaper, um, where you essentially are uh, comparing and and being given a very similar service where you have to pay for the food and you're not getting much extra from being brand loyal to British Airways. So Tom, what can we learn from those examples to help us deliver change in a workplace? Well, I think when we're talking specifically about change fatigue, it's about making sure that your employees, your staff are experiencing positive change. You're you're trying to get it right as much as possible and you're recognising that you need to give them a positive experience across that journey because it is coming from that single source. And I guess if they're, going back to your point on brand loyalty, if they're really bought into what the change means for them, it's going to compound that success. Yeah, and a great way of doing that is something that, that I've seen um, with a lot of the companies I've worked with is little and often changes and getting those quick wins in through the door early really helps people have a positive experience. It doesn't have to be a positive experience over the course of the whole project, but if you can show how each step is is giving some positivity to the end user, it helps people be brought along for the journey. What other things are there that we can learn from how we adapt to change in our personal lives and apply them to the workplace? So finally, Tom, One thing that companies and organisations could learn about changing our personal lives is to remove the alternatives. In our personal lives, we often do use the alternatives and companies lose a lot of business that way. But in work, we have the option to remove the alternatives that our staff could be using in order to make that change happen quicker. Now, this sounds like it might cause a lot of difficulties, for example, with the introduction of hot desking, which is a headache for a lot of a lot of staff, or with the introduction of a new technology. But often organizations are so slow to switch off their legacy systems for one reason or another that people end up using the legacy system for as long as possible until they're forced to move off of it. And that means that the adoption is incredibly slow because people aren't forced to try it out, to test it and develop it, and therefore to feed back. So the positive outcomes that you could get from all that testing and that feedback isn't always clear because people take a long time to switch over, sometimes years. Yeah, I saw this with a client a few years ago where um, we were giving staff new tablets to use instead of filling out paper forms. And um, it took it took ages. It, eventually it happened, but it took ages to get them to use the tablets in the way that we needed them to because the alternative was still there. They could still go and fill out a paper form. Whereas I think in our um, personal lives, whilst there are alternatives, 
if you're bought into um, a, a product like Apple uh, and the iPhone, you've got no choice but to update that iPhone if you still want to be uh, an Apple consumer. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's there's a lot that we can learn there. Becca, can you summarize for us what are the key points that we want our listeners to take away? So I think there are three key points here, Tom. The first one is around brand loyalty. Sell the why and you'll have your people come along with you for the journey. The second one is change fatigue. If you can provide change that benefits your end users and quickly and show them how this happens, you'll make the experience of change a more positive journey. And thirdly, remove the alternative. Don't leave room for workarounds to emerge because trust me, they will and it will be a pain when they do. Well, it's been great chatting to you, Becca. Really enjoyed um, this podcast and talking about our favourite subject together, which is change. Um, to our listeners then, please let us know what you think by getting in touch. You can email us uh, using becca.duncan at bgss.com. I think there's two C's in Becca, aren't there? Two C's and only one B. Great. And um, <laughs> and you can and you can email me using tom.silver at bgss.com. What you wanted to say? You wanted to help our listeners understand how to spell my surname, didn't you? <laughs> tom.silver. Yes, the colour at bgss.com. <laughs> and while you're at it, um, please go and visit our website bgss.com forward slash business and I've even written an article on there called what makes us resilient to change and I'd love you to go and read it and give me some feedback and I can find that on LinkedIn and on LinkedIn as well and subscribe to our podcast we'll be making lots more of these and we hope you've enjoyed it 